Hello listeners, it's producer Ben here. Now, we're on our way back from Portugal where we've just wrapped up our series of pods about the Nations League. You can only hear them on Spotify, which is also the case for the Women's World Cup editions of the Offside Rule. Both shows are totally free. You don't need a premium account. You just need the Spotify app on your phone or your computer. Anyway... What you're about to listen to is a really interesting conversation between James Horncastle and the Oscar-winning filmmaker Asif Kapadia, who came back to the pod to tell us about his new documentary Diego Maradona, which is out in cinemas in the UK on June the 14th. Take it away, James. Asif, thank you for coming back to see us. 18 months, I think. You were in post-production at that time. On, I think there was a lot of kind of to and froing in terms of what you could get signed off. Um, how did you bring it all together then? How did you convince everyone? Because some of the access you get, some of the voices you hear, it's kind of incredible that you got them all to kind of speak on the record and say what they did. Thank you for having me back. Um, I honestly started this film and I'd heard all these rumours. I'm like, I'm really not interested in gossip. This is not a tabloidy version. Mm. So I don't care who someone slept with and what they got up to. So I honestly went into film thinking, we're never going to deal with this stuff. That's not what it's about. It's about him. It's about his character. It's about, you know, football. And But actually, as we got into it, if you get into the Naples story, if you get into what happened to him in Naples... For me, what became apparent during the research stage was the turning point. Professionally, was you know winning the World Cup, winning the Scudetto, becomes a god, king of the world. But on a personal level, it's having this kid. He wants a kid. He wants a son. It's a very Latin thing. He wants a boy. He wants a boy called Diego. And he has a boy called Diego. But then he denies it's his. Mm. And it all happens at the same time. So at the point when he's at like the high point of his career, for me, becomes like a turning point where he starts to lie and denies it and you can see he's lying in his interviews and something changes in him for me having looked at thousands of hours of material all the way from when he was a kid right the way up to like last week you look at it and you go something's gone in his eyes something's the light's gone mm. from that point onwards in naples um, I mean, and they're still winning they still do well but he doesn't seem to be happy anymore i mean one of the the great scenes that i kind of left the cinema thinking, wow, I've never seen him look like that before. Was it a Christmas party uh, in Naples where he is, everyone else is celebrating around him and he is, he's just got this, he's just staring into nothingness um, and he looks like he's going to break into tears at some point. How do you get hold of that? I mean, that's like a, that felt like a home video. Uh, it was. It, that came from another character, one mm. of the kind of Neapolitan characters that we might talk about. But for me, that's like a Long Good Friday shot. That's like the final shot on a Long Good Friday where everything's going on it's just a shot no one's Mm. talking of his face but you can see him kind of almost thinking through everything he's done everything that's about to happen where he's gone it's like how did it all go wrong type moment it's a really powerful scene Mm. and it's actually probably if you pick one shot it's probably my favorite shot in the whole film because what i what you realize is when you spend time in diego maradona land things that you don't see a lot of his moments when he's vulnerable yeah when he's feeling a little bit lost and weak when actually a lot of the time i think he is but he covers it up and that's a moment quite late on where you see him going, oh, boy, it's all going to drop. It's all going to kick off, isn't it? And it does. Well, I mean, you hinted when we last met that this was going to be the thread, I suppose, of, of the story, this desire of his to have a son. Um, and when the end credits roll, it's quite interesting. In the screening that we were at, people got up and kind of left. And then after, what, maybe 30 seconds or so, you see this, this scene where... You've got to stay until the end. You've got to stay until the end because you see Diego Maradona Jr. Bloody journalists. They walk out, do they? It's already writing a report before the end of the match. <laughs> but one of the things I found stunning about that particular scene, Asif, is that 
you see Diego Maradona Jr. dressed all in one sportswear, apparel uh, sponsor, let's say, and you see Senior dressed in another, almost like it felt like, yeah, this deeply personal moment, a real significant moment in both their relationships someone essentially was trying to capitalize from and i just found that really kind of odd and and jarring about um yeah how all these competing interests on on the, on, on a on a, everything isn't yeah it? on a, on a yeah. personal life it was just it was it was just bizarre but um i mean if we go if we go back to the start of the film i found the the energy with which it, which it starts i thought the score is is brilliant because it really you get this kind of excitement buzz for someone moving somewhere but it feels also like a car chase uh and you f- you feel like you're in the car and you feel like where am i where am i going here again like that home video of you know it's, it is literally someone's camera on a dashboard of a car taking you somewhere where if you're uninitiated you don't know naples you don't know where you are you're kind of disoriented and then you go it, then it takes you to the stadium but you kind of again get that really that feel of there are crowds of people outside anticipating that something's happening. Um, where, I mean, again, where did that come from? That I was... mean, this is the heart of the kind of story of this type of film where we, we started making a film and very early on, there was this story that Jorge Sistaspila, mm. his first agent, first super manager, agent, yeah. super agent, had the idea, because Diego Maradona is going to be a star. He's going to, he should be on the movies. He should be big in America. Mm. So in like 1981-82, before he goes to Barcelona, he hires two Argentinian cameramen to shoot a film on Diego Maradona. So they have these old bulky umatic cameras and he um, starts filming him in Argentina. They follow him through Barcelona. They then continue through Naples until um, Coppola comes along mm. and says, I want to get rid of some of this entourage, and he fires them. <laughs> but these tapes were out there. The film was never completed. It was like an, I've seen a cut of it, and it was like an early YouTube video before YouTube was invented. Yeah. You know, with kind of Kenny Everett-style graphics and <laughs> kind of music and like slightly out of this world feeling about it because he was a player from out of this world. Um, it didn't really work. Mm. But these tapes were left somewhere outside of Naples. And my producers heard about them and went there, had a look at them, and then said, look, this could be amazing. This footage is incredible. Mm. It's basically private footage of Diego Maradona in his peak period in Naples. But to get the footage, you've got to do a deal with Diego. So yeah. then they spoke to his lawyer, Matthias Mauler, and did a deal with Diego. When Diego was over here, I think for the Davis Cup, 2015 I think it was 2015-16 and he loves his tennis so he was here watching the tennis and they did a deal and once they did a deal for his image rights we could then access all this material Mm. so half of the tapes were in Naples outside of Naples but there was another batch in where in some kind of so one of the cameramen kept him okay he may well have been owed a bit of money still yeah he may have the only contact he still had with Diego were the tapes Mm. But in a format that nobody's got an interest. And he can't do anything with them because he can't do anything unless Diego agrees. Yeah. And I'm sure many people have tried in the last 30 years to access that footage, but they've never been able to do a deal with the cameraman and Diego. And my producers were able to do that deal. So we had Diego's permission and we could therefore do something with the footage. But it wasn't all there. Then there's a rumour that there's even more out there. And it takes me, I don't know, a year, maybe a year and a half to go to Argentina, go to Buenos Aires, make a connection with Claudia, Mm. Yeah, family, his ex-wife now, who, at, while we were making the film, Claudia and Diego were at war. Yeah, and court. I suppose if, if you want to get an idea of how much Diego likes tennis, there's a great scene of them playing tennis together in that It's film. very sweet, though. 
It's really funny. He's a good player. Yeah. And you can also see how honest they both are by the way they play their tennis. Um, but the rest of the footage we found in a trunk in Buenos Aires in his old flat, which had not been touched for 30 years, and the tapes were disintegrating. Mm. So when I met with Claudia, you know, I was saying to her, look, even if you don't let me have the footage, we, this is all going to be lost. Let me just transfer it, digitize it. I'll give you the tapes back. And if we can do a deal, great. So eventually we were able to do a deal. But I was like, literally the tapes were falling apart because mm. they'd been, you know, it's been humid and all this sort of stuff. So like the shot where he is arriving at the stadium near the beginning and he walks up the stairs at Napoli Stadium in Sao Paulo. One shot from behind him we found in Naples and the reverse shot when he walks up we found in Buenos Aires. Wow. And that's kind of how these films work. There's like a jigsaw puzzle, a little mosaic of bits and pieces you find dotted all over the world and you kind of look at it going, in itself it's nothing, but when you join them together they become a beautiful picture. Hopefully. Yeah, because I felt I'd seen quite a lot. Um, basically because when I was in Italy there was a, there was a the 10 part DVD box set. Uh, with um, is it Gianni Mina or Gianni someone you, who you do yeah. see a little bit in yeah. the film interviewing? Yeah, he has a one moment. Yeah, but um, there was so much that uh, again that I'd never seen. So many personal moments, which again, in terms of like dealing with his addiction, there was one incredibly powerful scene where uh, it's kind of there's this sort of red light, which is quite quite uh, appropriate, I suppose, of him just looking into the mirror out of it and you don't know whether he's going to kind of fall over keel over or whatever was that part of of all of that set of tapes was that part of a documentary then that they were making i mean because again I, I even if i were making a documentary on diego maradona i wouldn't really feel that was an appropriate thing to be, for me to be filming if, if so so okay so this is all i suppose to do with context where he was being filmed mm. and you know when you take someone's life and you put it all together and you condense it and conflate it you will see things now because we are telling you this is what's going on. Yeah. But if at the time when you're filming it, this is all normal. Mm. You know, you start filming something, that's what they are like. Sure. That's what they look like at the time. Um, you know, part of the skill of my editor and our team of is sometimes to take an image that's literally, this is what we're showing to you. Sometimes there's a meaning that you infer from what I'm showing to you. Mm. But that's him at the time. So in the time period will be correct. That was him at that moment in time. But where he is literally, you know, I can't remember now, you yeah. know, but I know that that shot emotionally told me what you needed to know. That mm. makes sense. So that's yeah, kind no, of how they're constructed. Yeah. Um, yeah, they were filming him all the time. And at the time, that's that's what Diego Maradona looked like. Yeah. It's only when you explain what's going on and when he himself is talking over that footage about what he's going through and how he's hiding from his kids mm. because of his issues, then you realise, I can't believe someone filmed that. But that, that was the nature of this footage. It, it's also, it's the meaning that we give it, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, there were two follow-up things that I wanted from that. It was like, A, if you put that in, was there anything that you, that you left out? It's only now when the film is done and it's out and people are watching it that I look back and I go, oh, God, why did we take that scene out? Why did we take that scene out? Because I, I had to put together some like DVD extras and I saw a few scenes and I was like, why is that not in a movie? That's an amazing scene. But, you know, the only thing I can say is that, you know, that opening, that crazy opening, the drive to Naples, mm. you know, like French Connection or Italian job yeah. or something. In an earlier cut, when I met you last time I was here, that was 45 minutes long. Wow. Right? But the problem is by the time you get to Naples, you're like, oh, God, really? The film's only just beginning. So we have to make tough decisions. We went into quite a lot of detail in Barcelona. We went into quite a lot of detail after he left Naples mm. and Cuba and everything else that came. But my, our job is to kind of make a two-hour film yeah. that is watchable by hardcore fans 
and people who want to know everything and people who have no interest in football or kind of heard of Diego Maradona but not a fan mm. and I want to get that audience in as well so yeah this, the footage of him in Barcelona is amazing because the, the kind of intimacy that you get there and he, he's also he's really young and innocent yeah. and he's having a really bad time there I don't know if people know how he was treated not very well by the club he had mm. an awful time the leg break you know you see him having his leg broken by Guicachea he gets carried off and then the camera just keeps filming so you see him being literally put on the floor in a car park and his wife's kind of waving wafting a piece of paper over him <laughs> he's the most expensive player in the world and he's been put on the ground in a car and then this, park, yeah. this vehicle that looks like the Ghostbusters vehicle turns up and they throw him in the back and they go off to the, to the hospital and then they film the entire operation you know they filmed everything well this is the thing you see the knife and you hear him talking about it I mean that's the other thing you hear him talking about his leg snapping and it sounded like a piece of wood breaking and everyone told him his career's over so you know he could have been over yeah six weeks later he's back and he's even be- be- better and stronger you know so that guy who came back from an, all those ligaments broken and everything and his 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 um, doctor is a fascinating character so there's all of these subplots which mm. will be one of the kind of extras that hopefully we'll be able to put out there it's really hearing this kid talking about it could have all been over before it started but i'm not going to take that and that's diego maradona you knock him down you break his ankle he comes back stronger you can't knock the guy down well, this is uh one of the things why i'd recommend anyone who's listening to go and see this in the cinema because the sound effects that you have in this film are amazing in fact i would like listen to a sleep playlist of some of these things because you hear the clang of the post when a free kick hits the woodwork you hear him take a penalty you hear the thud of the ball you hear the physical contact that um and the kind of aggression that he had to put up with on the pitch and you see it close up in real time uh and you see these kind of forearm smashes you see that leg break football in those days you know the, the, how tough it was that's mm. the thing that's why it's a big deal to score 15 goals in a season when you get treated like that i mean you're right we have a brilliant team so the technical aspects of the sound design and the score and the music and the editing all of that comes together to to make the movie so when we get it you know so like, i want you to be feel like you're in there yeah so sometimes there's some audio on the tape but a lot of the time you just hear it in the crowd mm. so they have to recreate all of that but it has to feel believable it has yeah. to be you know be put together by people who kind of pay attention to football so everyone on the team pretty much most of them are football fans so they understand what it sounds like to be at a stadium and to feel in the cinema like you're in the middle of the san paulo at its peak so i'm, I'm glad you noticed that because there's well, a it, hell of a lot of work i thought um from the start it did feel i don't know whether this is intentional it felt like um part video game part kind of one of those classic kind of uh, japanese anime kind of holly and benji captain zubasha kind of uh, captain kind of things because you did get um a real sense of well it's visceral it, isn't it it's how it hurts yeah you get tackled you get kicked it hurts yeah you and know. i think some of the angles as well in which you um you see his his goals so, so it's important the reason we were able to get that footage because that close-up stuff of diego on the pitch where the camera's behind the goal or next to him on the side of the pitch those are his personal cameramen wow he would just walk onto the pitch and shoot mm. so that's you know at a time you imagine 84 85 what was the italian football it was a big high angle shot from the top of the stand yeah they may have had a few low cameras but but the reason we can get that close to him and just single him out at each point is because he's a personal cameraman we're allowed to go anywhere they want and shoot it and that was part of the yes. size to billets uh, documentary that's all footage that because was shot 
So that's why even hardcore fans of Italian football have never seen these yeah. angles because they were all in a bunch of tapes somewhere in a cupboard, somewhere in Naples, somewhere in Argentina. Well, also, I mean, it just it lends to like a, a dramatic effect so well. I mean, the, the one that really um, stuck uh, with me was the semi-final in Italia 90 where it comes to the penalty shootout and you see Roberto Donadoni miss his penalty. And in the same shot, you see Diego Maradona pass him and go to the spot himself, score, run away, celebrate, all in kind of incredible okay. one shot. So Amazing. That, that's a good example of the other end of the spectral because of, you know, we've got kind of experienced producers and we have to have a bit of budget to make these films. So that we managed to get rushes from FIFA. Mm. So that's FIFA footage on film shot, which never would have gone out because obviously you would never just show one long shot of one person. Well, part of me is thinks, God, why do we have all these damn cutaways all the time? Because uh, th- that was so much more powerful of that, that moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's the reason, you know, because you know, we don't even show the ball. You just show him and you know what's going on. Mm. Uh, but you've got to have the nerve to do it. And yeah. for me, that's the last bit of football in the movie. Yeah, you know, that's the point when he scores and he wins, but he loses. Mm. That's when everything changes in turns. So, um, yeah, it was just that's the choice. You have to look at everything and make a choice of saying story wise and character wise, what's the best shot to tell the story? Mm. And I mean, there was some great, um, again, it kind of audio and shot kind of mixing together in terms of uh, where the national anthem is being played in Naples and the Argentine, it gets, it gets, um, Gets, that's in Rome. Oh, that's it? in Rome, isn't that's it? The final. Yeah. Where it gets booed and you see and you hear yeah. Maradona. I don't right? think we had the translation at the time on TV when we were all watching. Brilliant. It, that, <laughs> that was one of the best moments of, of the movie. It's Maradona. Yeah. Who um, else would do that? <laughs> and um, and again, just, I don't know, it was, it was you, you got a real kind of intimacy again with, with, uh, it was even even stuff you saw on the stands. Like I mean, you talk about the context of the was it the '86 World Cup and the Falklands, and you get that you have that shot on the England fans, and uh, and what they're saying. So you know, making us proud, <laughs> making us proud around the world. I I love that shot because it's like that is kind of you know. Yeah. Sadly, those are the ones that were travelling, mm. and and the perspective of this film. You know, when I made Senna, I was like, this is a film told from a point of view from Brazil. Yeah. You know, I want you to come out feeling Brazilian. With this one, it's like, I want you to feel a bit more Argentinian and Neapolitan. Mm. And actually, that is the perspective of the England fans that people would have been seeing. Yeah. We may not have seen or they would have cut away, but I love that crapness of them. You also have some great people involved who help you tell the story. So there's, there's John Foote, who wrote Calcio, and you've got Daniel Acucci, um, the Argentine journalist. And just their experiences... Well, particularly uh, Daniel's. Yeah. You tell the, you tell the story about Diego and his links with the Camorra very well, and Daniel helps really w- a lot with that in terms of he's there to interview him one time, and uh, all of a sudden the doorbell rings at and, midnight, and Diego says, "Do you want to go and see the real Naples?" And he go, "If anyone's seen Gamora, uh, particularly the last few series where you do have a clan from Forcella, which is the 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 area where the Giuliano clan is from, you see these." Again, incredible photos of you know, something past midnight where all of a sudden a piazza where nothing is going on, where it looks completely quiet, all of a sudden it lights up, fireworks, people come out because Diego is there. And this is the day before the final game of the season mm. and they're out in Forcella in the middle of the night. And when you see him come out the next day, 
you can see he's been out all night, but, you know, he has to do kind of what he's told. Mm. I mean, Alcucci was there. That's the thing. Daniel Alcucci, he, he spent years following Diego around and he knows Diego Maradona very well. He spent every Christmas with him since, I think, 85, 86. Wow. And he served his time. And he was a great guy. He's a great guy. And we, we, I went and interviewed him quite a few times in Buenos Aires and spent time with him. And then I showed him the film, you know, at the ending, just mm. to say, like, what do you think? How, how are we doing? And he got really emotional. He cried like anything because yeah. it was like someone kind of gets Diego Maradona, mm. you know, all the sides of him, the kind of good and the bad, because he's lived with him for so long mm. and being his biographer and the guy that Diego opens up to, but also some of the tougher things that in a way we have to deal with in the film. Maybe Daniel keeps the relationship going by not necessarily always going directly to those places. You mm. know, he finds a way to deal with it slightly more obliquely. Um, but he, he got really emotional when he saw the film. Yeah. So those harder places, what are they then? I guess there's, you know, in the, in this period that we're dealing with, it's it's kind of relationship with women, mm. um, it's the kind of uh, addictions, and it's the links to the underworld and the Camorra. But the women lead to his children, illegitimate children, and kind of the changes that happen. So I suppose those are the things that for a long time he denied or ignored or it never happened or I didn't know who those people were in the photo. That was a set answer that he often gave. Everyone wants a picture of me. I don't know who those guys are. But actually, when we spoke to him, he said, well, he tells the story of how he goes to meet them, yeah. which is very different to the one that he's always given previously. Yeah. And you, you overlay that on top of the what, be the photographs of him with the Giulianos um, or just some of the kind of the action. I, I mean, will you be showing this film in Naples? <laughs> I really love Naples. <laughs> I want to show it there and I would like to go back there. And Neapolitans who've seen it so far... Um, you know, they, they really like it. They love it. They start crying. They get mm. very emotional about this period of time. But, um, you know, I just hope it goes down all right because it's another time. It's the 80s yeah. and it's different now. It's different people now out there on the streets. But, um, you know, that's why you tell me. What do you think? Well, I think the film actually deals with Naples. I mean, this is something I was maybe not expecting because when we um, spoke last time, we did talk a lot about Napoli because podcast is about Italian football. I didn't expect it to feature so much. I and mean, in fact, it, it, I think you use Naples to tell and to show all the sides of Maradona's character. It brought all of those sides out. Um, so it was very useful in that sense. But I think it shows Naples in, in all its lights as well. Um, because you see in that first press conference, introducing Diego Maradona to, to Italian football, I think it's the first question, is about Naples and organised crime and the Camorra. And you see the reaction that that gets from the president Corrado Fellaino where he just loses it um, and everyone stands up and applauds him for basically taking aim at this this journalist for asking a, a tough and perhaps inappropriate question typical French journalist who gets kicked out <laughs> he gets thrown out as well yeah and and then you look at Diego's face and he's like I don't know what the hell's going on mm. you know he really is like a lost kid at that point he does not know where he's going mm. You know, he said, you know, they were the people that were willing to pay. He went there. I think you did a really good job of, of telling that story, which I think people had a superficial um, knowledge of. Um, but I think it's something that perhaps people better understand from watching Gamora or from reading anything that Roberto Saviano's done. But also you really put names to faces in this film. Um, you really kind of contextualize it. And you also kind of tell a story, which, again, in terms of like how they used him, um, you know, be it for promoting new businesses um, and not just kind of, you know, 
enabling an addiction, but also... It's the whole system. That's yeah. the whole thing, isn't it? It's how it all works. You have someone like that, people want to come there. I mean, I love Naples. It's mm. just the most intense place, though. And that's now. I can't imagine what it would have been like in the 80s with Diego Maradona being around, you know. Mm. But it was... It's just full on constantly all the time and the people are just full of love and full of like touchy feeliness and they want to get close to you and and it was great but it was also too much for him you mm. know it's just too much love too much intensity and you can now when i watch it and when i spent time there i understand where when diego says i couldn't go out i couldn't yeah. do anything i had to go out in the middle of the night because it's not possible to go out and you believe it mm. and we had this we have this footage in the film which is of him you know popping down to the local bowling alley because it's open <laughs> and it just goes nuts you know because he's there and the whole street gets blocked up and that would happen to him every single day of his life everywhere he went and it's hard to keep your sanity mm. if you're surrounded by that. Um, and I think that's really what the story's about. It's it's not in any way criticism, but you could just see it's like you can almost have too much of a good thing. Yeah, He needed that love and he needed that attention. And you've got a city where there's one club, everyone supported Naples from one end of the spectrum where the judges and the police commissioners and the street guys and the low kind of gangsters and everyone was a Napoli fan mm. and everyone wanted a picture with Diego. And he went along with it because he wants to be the big man in town. Well, you, you talk about pictures. I mean, one of the things that um, I'll never look at kind of the same way, pictures of that time, is whenever Diego is wearing a Rolex <laughs> and where he got those from. Because, I mean, of course, he could afford them. But, I mean, that was that was, am that was amazing kind of piece of storytelling. Uh, Rolexes, Ferraris, all of that, you know, all of this <laughs> stuff that, you know, you see. And, and it's there in the story. But, yeah, you learn about how he came about with this stuff. And also kind of the towards the end of his... Uh, his time in Naples, you see how he gets abandoned by the Camorra because they're getting too much heat, too much publicity. They're in the limelight too much for their liking. Also then by the club, uh, when it's clear he's out of control and it might do them well to get rid of him. Um, but you you then see these um, him being implicated in an investigation. And what, again, you have, which I'd never heard before, are these wiretaps of people talking about Diego coming... Um, Diego ordering, let's say, something, be it women, be it drugs. Um, and you hear them all talking about it, how it all went down, when these calls were being made, you know, three, four in the morning. <laughs> how did, Again, how did you get sort of access to that? Because that was, that was incredible listening to. You do a lot of research. Yeah, I mean, I you tell. know, once you're out in Naples and you start talking, because a, a lot of this came out of, you know, various court cases mm. against him. And then if there's a court case and they mention things, then, then we have a brilliant team who say, well, it's a movie. I can only do a movie if I can show something or you hear it. Yeah. So let's dig around. And, and you know, in a mad way, we kind of got Italian bureaucracy to go, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> no one knows where this stuff is. And it's like, well, why don't we look for it? Mm. And you know what? They were like, God, no one's ever asked before. Yeah. So they started to look and they mm. started to find things. And we're like, this is amazing. They were, they were impressed by themselves that they actually had a system where you could find things. <laughs> if you understand where to go and who to talk to and if, you know, and if you get everyone in the right frame of mind, people were willing to do it. But, you, you know, it's Italy. It's the same with Buenos Aires. You don't do anything over the phone. You don't do anything by fax or by email. You have to go there. Yeah. You have to sit down. You have a coffee. You chat to people. You explain what you're doing, why you're doing it, who's on board. And they go, okay, we'll try. And 
if you ask and if you have time, these films take a long time mm. because I do want to find that material that no one's ever had before. And I want to show you footage that no one's ever seen before. And I want to get Diego and just pinning down Diego when he's living in Dubai is not easy. Getting people in Buenos Aires, you know, all of that just takes time. Mm. So I have a brilliant, a very small team, but a brilliant team who are so dedicated and we get a bit obsessed with getting the real footage and not hearing the opinion of someone who kind of said, I heard. I just yeah. like, no, no, let's find the tapes. Mm. So how long did the film take to make then? I think it started officially, it's been about three years. It was, it was sort of like the spring of 2016 when mm. the deal was done with Diego's people. Um, and then I first went to Dubai, I reckon September 2016 and met with Diego. I think it was around then. And the first meeting was five, you know, the classic first meeting everyone you've ever heard of that's ever made a film about Diego Maradona is you waiting for Diego. Mm. So I went to Dubai and I, my producers wanted to come and I had a camera person and I had a sound person and a translator and you go there and he lives on a giant palm tree, second fond on the left. And um, the first day, they tell you this is the date is around. So you go there. And then the first day, oh, he's not feeling great today. Come back tomorrow. Okay, what about tomorrow? No, today's not great. What about tomorrow? Okay, three, four, five days going. You're like, all right, I'm going home now. Mm. And then in the end, it was like, can I just say hello? And I'm like, yeah, just you on your own, fine. But then, of course, everyone wants to meet Diego Maradona. So we go there. And it was five days of waiting. And it was a five-minute conversation. Hello, you're going to make a great film. Yes, I am. Okay, take a picture. <laughs> bye. And that wow. was it. So then I thought, And that okay. was the endorsement. That was it. Done. By then, the deal had already been done. But, yeah. you know, I was supposed to get three interviews each of say three hours in length mm. over, over the course of the film and I thought right that's five days and a lot of money spent for five minutes to say hello yeah. maybe this is going to be a little bit more like making Senna and Amy where I don't have the lead character and mm. I just have to make the film yeah. and, I, and I thought let's just do that let's make the film do our research figure out what the story is and then I'll talk to him about the specifics and, and that's how it worked so the next time I went was probably almost a year later mm. and he was on better form kind of tired shall we say not 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 a lot of what he was saying i thought i don't know if i can use this but it was just another stepping stone to saying can i come back tomorrow yeah come back the next day i now know how the process works and you know at the time we met in his living room mm. he's watching bocker on tv mute the television when he pops out the room <laughs> so i can record the sound record the sound myself just have a translator in the room and then I kind of broached the subject of, you know, ex-wife, don't talk about her. I don't, oh, let's not go there. That was one of the easy questions. Okay. What about Jorge? No, no, no. I don't want to hear about him. He stole my money. Okay, fine. This is making it. <laughs> let's just talk about you and your childhood. And then he kind of opened up and his family and his parents. And that was, okay, these are the easy questions. I'll save the tough ones up to the next trip. Mm. And then we go through that. And then we talk about the England match. And we talk about the World Cups and all of this. And, and then we start getting there. And then I realized, okay, we've got to deal with it, the heavy ones. And there was a particular moment I said, okay, this whole day now is just going to be about dealing. So whenever he went off on a tangent, if I asked a question about one thing and he told me a long story about Seb Blatter, I'd have to, I'd have to interrupt him. <laughs> I'm really, not so, I'm really sorry that didn't make the film. <laughs> Some great stories, but they weren't really relevant to the point that I was trying to ask him about. So I, by now, had this very convoluted system where we're in his living room in Dubai. I'm there. I've brought Luca, who's my um, sound recordist from Naples, mm. who was there in the stadium. We used to watch Diego, so they got along really well. And that put yeah. Diego in a good mood. So he was my sound recordist. Lena's my translator. I ask a question in English. She translates to Spanish. He answers in Spanish. I've got my computer with FaceTime on, which my two of my team are listening to it in London in case there's some factual inaccuracies that come up and I, they can type and I can read it. I've got a WhatsApp call going to Bonasari's where Laura is listening because she understands Diego's very particular 
Argentinian Spanish, mm. which is not the same as anyone else's Argentinian Spanish. It's Diego language. So she's listening. She's translating into my ear via another phone so I can get live translation. Because I know I've only got like a 90-minute window every time I meet him. Yeah. And his energy drops off. Mm. And he already gets bored and he wants me out. I've got to deal with these tough questions. So if he does go off on a tangent, I can interrupt him. Mm. And, he asks, and I ask him the, the question that I want. And eventually he got a bit peed off and he just looked at me and said, you know, you've got a nerve. <laughs> you've got a nerve asking me these questions to my face. Well, there you go. Mm. But for that, I respect you. Boom. Because most people wouldn't have the nerve to say this to my face. And I was like, okay, good. Can we just go back to the question? Because, uh, so that was it. It was quite, it was the moment when he realised I'm kind of, we're going to have to talk about this stuff. Mm. There you go. And we did. And you talked about how him and Claudia were at war at the time. And you think of all the other different interested parties in this story, the Sinagras, Villafane, his kids. Like to have them, both women in one project, it's unheard of. Mm. Know, to have Claudia and Sinagra, you know, no one's ever done this. Um, they've all been on tabloid shows. Yeah. But the Sinagra story and Diego Jr., when I talked to his kids, his daughters, all of them, mm. they don't all make the film, but they all gave me the kind of backstory. Yeah. Um, to explain it and I think it's a really painful story mm. that, that idea of what, what happened and why he did it I don't understand why he did that and he put himself through a lot of pain I think mm. you know I don't think it's his addictions come off the back of all of this I think all of these lies that he started to tell well again and this is I think one of the great pieces of storytelling in the film is you see his uh, parents his dad clearly wanted a boy as well and he was he was very late in coming along um, and Again, that kind of happening to him as, uh, as, as well. I was also struck how how he physically resembled his father in such in such a way, in in that they you know in terms of um, in terms of Diego's face as what we know it now. I mean, that was his father when you see him in 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 the film, really at the yeah. similar age. And you know how he, you know what his dad's job was. was well, an early his, his dad used to crush bones for a living. I mean, wow. that's like that's where he came from. He used to you know make glue and stuff and it was like the toughest smelliest job ever mm. very physical and he'd come home and as he says he'd come on and he'd just fall asleep yeah but he'd take him to training every day i mean the other job you see him doing in the in the film is is at the barbecue uh making what asado for the uh for the argentine <laughs> really football good, team good kind of football food yeah <laughs> really serious amounts of steak and meat but that's Argentina. He got yeah. That that's again his personal cameramen are in there mm. with the Argentinian squad during the '86 World Cup. Yeah, I mean, th that was the other thing that I found uh, amazing about the film was I kind of seen all the kind of crowd that San Paolo when they win the league title, what it's like in the streets in in Naples. I had never seen uh, the reception that that team got, uh, the Argentina team when they come back as as world champions, and you see. Diego in what the presidential palace essentially uh, being like a Kappa Ultra waving his throat, leading chants and you see the crowd um, before him all with their Argentina flags it is an amazing crowd scene yeah it's an amazing moment actually there's a particular moment an incredible little moment just before that when they get off the plane mm. and he's carrying the World Cup and I think you can see life's not going to be the same yeah when they're all jostling him and he's it looks he's so afraid. claustrophobic yeah, yeah. You know, it's like, this is going to be scary. And that's sort of what happens. You know, he wins the World Cup and they're away in Mexico. No one thought they were going to do very well. All the press of pancakes, which I love. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they're two-faced. I remember saying, I've got to ask you, Diego. I've got to ask you these questions because I don't want you ever calling me a pancake. <laughs> right? 
Um, but yeah, that moment when he comes back to Argentina and you just realise life's never going to be the same, you know, he becomes this myth, the legend. So on the subject of him never calling you a pancake, um, has he seen the film? What does he think of the film? So a bit like trying to meet Diego for the first time, mm-hmm. trying to show Diego the film is a bit like that. Uh, about a year ago, before the World Cup, I contacted his people and said, look, I've got a film. I want to show it to you. I want to show it to you first. Also, because I've still owed one interview. So I'm going to show you the film. Then if you have an issue with anything, then we can do the interview straight after. Because also, you might just see Naples and remember things. So they go, okay, fine. So, okay, so can I come back to Dubai and do it in your house? I'll show it to you on your TV. And he said, no, I'm not going to be in Dubai. His people. Uh, he's, going to be, he's going to be in Belarus. Okay. Belarus. Okay, where's Belarus? Uh, look on the map. It's close, though. It's close to Dubai. So, shall we come to Belarus? No, 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 no time. He's he's off to Colombia. Colombia, right? I don't think I can get to Colombia. What are you going to do after Colombia? Well, he's going to go to the World Cup, obviously. He's going to be in the World Come to the World Cup. Show me. I'm like, I don't think that's going to be the best time to show you the film. And as we saw, it probably wasn't no. the best time to go to Moscow to show him the film. I said, after the World Cup, I want to show it to you somewhere nice and peaceful and quiet. He said, well, I'll be in Argentina. Great. I'm going to fly to Argentina. We booked the tickets. I've got to do a few more interviews in Argentina. I've got to tie up a few things. Two days before I fly to Argentina, he takes a job in Mexico. I still haven't seen it. But then I thought, okay, what I'll do is I'll, I'll show you the film in Cannes. If we can get into Cannes, maybe you'll come to Cannes. It'll be a big event. There'll be a lot of love for you. We'll show it to you there. It'll be great. And then he wasn't able to come to Cannes. Mm. So he hasn't seen it yet. I think then I'll- during the Cannes screening, at the beginning, there was all this applause and it was great. I was like, oh, what a shame he's not here on red carpet. During the film, I thought, Thank God he's not here in Cairns. <laughs> if he was sitting next to me, ah, maybe it's not the best time to show you someone, someone the film for the first time in this situation. Then at the end of the film, again, I thought, oh, what a shame he's not here. But maybe I wouldn't have got to the end of the film. So I feel like I've got to show it to him privately at some point. And because, I, I, I mean, I'm not Diego Maradona, so I can't, I can't claim to know what his reaction would be. But it's just a very honest telling uh, of, of his story. And you get to see the highs and how high they are. Um, probably not the best word to use given we see part of his addiction as well. But again, I, I think... Maybe it's all linked. You know, you need that kind of feeling, that buzz, who knows? But yeah. yeah, you see the highs and you see the reality of the lows and you see, you know, it's well, tough at times. Yeah, I mean, you see the, the, you see the physical transformation of the, of the guy as well. The which... kid that arrives and the man that leaves are so different. Mm. You know, what he's, what's happened to his face and his eyes and, you know, literally his body how it's changed over that period of time. I, I would, you know, feel like, also there'll be, there's so many images there that he will never have seen mm. of himself at his peak and his kids and his family and people around him. And so I, I was hoping, you know, there'd be like a moment of kind of clarity, hopefully, where he could look at it. And I think he's trying to deal with things. You know, a few weeks ago, he kind of recognised three more kids in Cuba that he had. You know, I, I'm hoping that he's trying to, you know, deal with stuff that he's done. And I'm hoping, I think that's a good thing to be mm. doing that. Um, but I felt myself, when I got to Cannes, I just thought, it's such a mad, intense place. It's the small taste that people like me have of having paparazzi and press shouting at you, having your picture taken, a lot of applause. It's, it's really full on. And you just think that isn't for everyone. Mm. And, you know, I felt actually probably it's a good thing that he didn't come. Because if he's not in a great place that's not the place to be you know so I'd much rather show it to him privately and we sit down and we have a grown up chat about it well we hope you enjoyed that listeners Diego Maradona is out in cinemas across the UK on June the 14th and it really is sensationally good 
If you want to hear more from Asif Kapadia, go back into the archives of our Galazzo podcast where he talks in-depth about Maradona's time in Naples. That's from February 2018 and you'll find Galazzo on Apple, Spotify, Audioboom and everywhere else you get your podcasts. <laughs>